Hello, comrades. This is Heavy Weapons Guy. And if you are listening to Ronald and Sam from the Vogue podcast team, sure as hell you are no baby. <laughs> Listen to Heavy. We just want to make sure you're listening to the right people. Ronald and Sam from the Vogue podcast team are the best ones to listen to. And if you don't, oh, ha, 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 bloody hell, you're all dead! Um, welcome, Gary. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm Ronald. I'm a sound engineer and voice actor. Um, it's a big pleasure to have you here. My pleasure. Nice to meet you, Ronald. Yep. And this is the Vogue podcast. This will be either our first or second uh, interview here um, on the podcast. Um, so we can start diving right into the questions. Ronald, if you want to ask the first question here. Yeah, sure. I'm going to go ahead. So, Gary, um, when was the when was the time that you found out? I mean, when you found the interest in voice acting, if I can ask. Well, it's very interesting uh, because I started out my career, believe it or not, as a mime. And uh, uh, so I, I was a mom uh, from the age of 13. I was performing and when I went out to Los Angeles uh, in my late twenties, I had been a mime already for like 13 years. Uh, so I started to get work in LA as a mime. Uh, but by that time I was kind of bored with mime. And so I wanted to sort of expand and do um, uh, acting. So I started enrolling in acting classes, but I was also partners with a, um, uh, a, a comedy partner uh, whose name was Caleb Chung, and we were a mime comedy mime duo. And um, my specialty was well, he was a much better mime than I was. Um, so uh, he would do robot and uh, all sorts of things. And I started doing vocal sound effects for him on the microphone. So you know, uh, and I and I also did his voice. So he would just uh, you can look it up on YouTube. There's a uh, some videos of Schwartz and Chung. It's called. And um, interestingly, uh, Caleb uh, was a sort of a mechanical genius, and he went on to um, become a world famous toy inventor. And he invented mm -hmm. the Furby. So, um, Furby. Uh, yeah, the Furby. Oh, like the little, the little doll thing, the little the animal. The little doll thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah that mm, learns yeah. like a, a 3D Tamagotchi. So uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so so uh, we convinced uh, each other that, uh, you know, um, adding sound to our mime was the best thing to do. So I was doing a lot of vocal sound effects. At the same time, I was studying improvisation and acting. And... Um, and I basically made a voice tape uh, and started getting vocal voiceover commercials and stuff like that. This is way back in the early, late 70s, early 80s. Hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Long before MP3s, I, we, we used audio tape. <laughs> audio tape? Really you know, I, audio I tape demos? Fun, I always had fun. Uh, you know, playing around with uh, making noises and sounds 
And I also had kind of an affinity for dialects and accents and imitating people. And um, so I, I just, uh, it just sort of was a natural progression from there. So um, your first project was being a mime. So was that yeah. like your, uh, so that, that kind of segued into your acting career. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, and, and because I was a mime, uh, I, I did a lot of work inside the prosthetic makeups because mm. pantomime lent itself to being, you know, uh, uh, things other than than people. Uh, I remember Caleb one time got a job as a cube of salt. Uh, I I got a job in a commercial uh, being a giant hot dog that attacked a woman, uh, <laughs> or like a weight gain, you know, like a weight loss commercial. It was uh, we were me and a slice of pizza and a cookie mugged a woman in an alley. So uh, what was the first? Uh book you have ever written actually it's very interesting to ask i think yeah actually uh i had uh i i've been writing a lot of blogs based on my work with my uh, improv teacher viola spolin uh for many many years and uh, uh you know i had tried my hand at writing uh, teleplays and screenplays and things like that everybody does in hollywood when you're there you you're writing screenplays that never get produced so, uh, but ever since I was a little kid, I had an idea for a book uh, based on my favorite childhood book called The Phantom Toll Booth. And um, it's uh, basically, I've always told the story that, uh, you know, of, of the, you know, this book that I eventually would write. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I got challenged one day by a corporate guy who said, look, you know, you, you can't get past 20 pages. I'm going to challenge you to write a page a day for 30 days and see if you can break your your record and so i i said you're on and i ended up writing about 360 pages and i had a book uh, of course it was terrible bad writing uh, but then uh, i took about two years to really study writing as an art form and uh got the book down to a couple hundred pages and um, ended up get, getting a publisher and, and getting it published. And I'm very proud of it. So uh, I've written some other things, but they haven't yet been published. <clears throat> now that is really interesting and it's uh, awesome to hear such a, such a back uh, info. I, I love it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really I'm really proud of the book. It won some literary awards and uh, uh, it's a really wonderfully funny uh, child childhood adventure uh, in a fantasy land uh, filled with a lot of uh, puns. Uh, but uh, it's mostly an adventure story like James and the Giant Peach or the Wizard of Oz, something like that. And the book is called the book is called The King of Average. About a little boy who has low self-esteem and doesn't believe he's very good at anything, but he realizes he has the ability to be average at just about anything he tries. So he decides one day to become the most average person who ever lived. And that sends him into a fantasy world where um, the king of average, which is an actual place, um, has disappeared. Norman the Unexceptional has disappeared. And they're looking for a new king, and he seems like a likely candidate. And uh, he's met by a talking goat, 
um, uh, named Mayor Culpa, uh, who was a scapegoat, because of course that's a pun. Mea culpa means my fault, and uh, so it's uh, filled with a lot of puns, which is like my my favorite book, uh, The Phantom Tollbooth, which is a similar kind of story. It's really cool. That's awesome. Do you um so you have other books that you've not yet published? Yeah, yeah, I have a manuscript. Right now, I have a manuscript about my time in Los Angeles as a limousine driver, uh, called the Benji Loper Caper, where this 14-year-old kid rented my limousine. That's that's the true part of the story. Um, uh, but um, our two limousines get mixed up, and he get he gets involved in a uh, international jewel theft uh, with his dates and uh, his best friend, and so it's like a a, a a, you know, a romp through Hollywood in the 19, uh, in the 1980s. Yeah, it's really uh, cool to hear about your, your writing um, career, you know, uh, apart from your acting career, because um, I think actors who, you know, write books, they have very interesting books just from, you know, their talent and acting. So it's really interesting to hear that side of, of, of your yeah, career. The, the first thing that my writing mentor told me was she said, you know, boy, well, you really have a flair for dialogue. And that's because it's really easy just to hear each character speak. And as they're speaking in my head, they sort of direct the story, which, you know, is very much like improvisation. You, mm -hmm. you let them talk and, and, and find out what the story is at the end of your writing. That's really Not cool, a good yeah. way to do it, by the way. Yeah. Well, it's a way Very to do it. Yeah. Very time consuming. Better to have yeah. an outline, but uh, anyway, that was my process. Very well. Um, you know, how about trying to, you know, writing a story, calling it improv. That's correct. That's it is. it is. You know, you want to write it to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, going into uh, voice, some of your voice work, some some of your voice projects i'm definitely going to look into your the uh, king of average book i'd love to read that oh thank you uh, I, yeah. I really appreciate it and i appreciate a review on amazon <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put that on my, my amazon list so i can read on my uh, my kindle here um Excellent. but uh if, yeah, i if also it, did the audio it, book, uh, by the way i did the audio book oh, okay. if you want to hear my voice acting yes oh okay sure yeah, I love to hear the audiobook as well. But um, going into your some, oh yeah, I was just going to ask about um, if you were ever willing to do voice work for community projects, such as uh, you know either modding projects such as um, Team Fortress Two or maybe uh, some of your other work. Um, have you ever considered uh, being a part of those projects from the community? Well, you know, here's the thing, and because uh, I get asked this a lot about. Uh, uh, you know, doing voice work. Um, I, I'm a union actor. I, I, uh, uh, I'm a member of the uh, Screen Actors Guild and the uh, uh, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. And um, uh, unfortunately in America, you know, there's big, for many decades now, there's been a very strong anti-union movement. Uh, so, uh, being a union member, I I, uh, I rule one in the union is is you don't do non-union work, and unfortunately, a lot of these projects uh, that I get asked to do 
are just sort of one-off projects. Uh, I'll volunteer to do something for, uh, if it's for a good cause, which is more charitable, but um, uh, I, I don't want to get involved in a project that uh, uh, doesn't want to pay fair wages and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so, so uh, it's limited a lot of the work that I do, even here in Seattle, which is strongly a non-union mm -hmm. town. Mm -hmm. LA, it was a different story. LA was, um, you know, uh, the union took care of its actors and, and uh, so, so that's, that's the issue with that. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That's a good point. Um, talking about the union because a lot of a lot of actors, um, that's some of the reason why, um, you know, they can't get on like some of the community projects that, uh, you know, the community's making, such as like you know, um, person not not personal but like community more community projects. That's that's part of the reason why they can't get on that. So thank you for bringing uh, that yeah. up about the. Um, I, I would do it, you know, if it was a, you know, for a charity or a food bank or something that you know was a good cause. Uh, I certainly don't mind uh, doing intros for podcasts and things like that. But um, to do a non-union sure. video game or to uh, voice a, a project that uh, you know can't can't. Uh, you know, takes advantage of, of um, actors who, who want to work. And believe me, actors want to work, which is why mm -hmm. non-unionism is unfortunately, uh, you know, popular. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Right. right. Okay, so uh, Gary, um, do you play any video games? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even get the heavy to pick up a gun. I mean, <laughs> I I have a fourteen year old uh, uh, like nephew, you know, a friend of my uh, uh, best friend, a son of my best friend, and, and he, he's a wizard, you know. And I watch what he's doing on the keyboard, and it, it's beyond me. It's beyond me. well. Yeah. I, I used to do games in the uh, in the in the eighties and nineties, but you know, those those were more text based, uh, you know not like what it is now mm. yeah yeah some some more of the dos the dos type of software dos based games uh yeah. you know games that were like uh, you know more puzzle puzzle games uh, one of the very first video games i ever did was a a thing called the jungle book which was a combination live action uh and uh, uh, uh stock footage of disney's the jungle book and uh it's you know on, on the IBM computer in the days when you would like insert a floppy disk, you know, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a gamer. <laughs> well, people it's really can. interesting because I did not know for the longest time after having done team fortress that the game was so popular. And it all, it was about four years after I had done the, the, the game that, when people overheard me do, you know, a Russian accent, and they said, "Oh my God, you sound like heavy," and I go, "I am heavy," and uh, <laughs> kids would all go like, "Yeah, yeah," you know, and I, I started to realize <laughs> that uh, the game, the game was popular, I, and I've been around the world, and I remember uh, 
you know, being at an improv festival in Australia and uh, uh, I'm trying to build my reputation as an improv teacher all around the world. And a young gal, about 24 years old, uh, you know, she, she said, uh, you know, I, I, I admire your work as an improv teacher. I said, oh yeah. And so um, I, I did the, I, for some reason I did the voice of, of Demo Man. And then she goes, oh my God, are you Demo Man? I said, yes, and I'm also heavy. And she, she hugs me and she puts her chest on my, her head on my chest and she goes, oh my God, I've spent 900 hours with you. <laughs> Gee. yeah yeah it's it's very popular it must have been um i can't even imagine your the experience you must have had you know discovering how popular team fortress was well the first thing that opened my eyes was uh uh valve had asked me to do an autograph signing at a a, a, a dota 2 competition here in seattle and mm -hmm. when i went down there uh I couldn't believe, first of all, how international it was, and secondly, how amazing you know all of the cosplay and uh, all all of the the fandom there. Uh, it was the first time I ever in my life, you know, experienced like this is what my, uh, what a rock star must like live with every day. This was amazing, and it was really fun. And uh, you know, to watch uh, that uh, Dota competition was also awesome mm -hmm. yeah they invite a lot of voice actors like from various mm -hmm. like valve games to come and, and be there which is really cool i like to go to one myself hopefully i'll see you there next time yeah as a matter of fact i think john patrick lowry from uh, you know who's uh, on tf2 and a lot of other games mm -hmm. uh i think he emcees those uh those those events yeah 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 uh, he does yeah i saw some of his, his work in that it was it was very impressive yeah, yeah. John's a super talented guy, as is his wife, Ellen. Oh, my God. Right, yeah. Yeah, Ellen's, Ellen's great. Yeah, we plan to um, interview John uh, pretty soon. But um, you could probably get into the more of the Team Fortress 2 Center mm -hmm. questions since we're on the topic here. Um, sure. first, first question here is you're not really uh, exactly uh, well-known as compared to, you know, Heavy and Demo in uh, Team Fortress, but how hard or was it hard to get into the role of, of monoculus, you know, like what would in the monoculus, like Halloween monster, remember, you remember, remember the monoculus, right? No, monoculus refreshing. Mm -hmm. It was, it was the uh, pumpkin headed, like, you know, guy with the ax and like, you, it was just mostly laughs. He did mostly like maniacal laughs. It was like for a Halloween centered, like uh, themed kind of update for the game. Oh really? Okay, so so uh, yeah, I, yeah, they they used to bring me in for various uh, updates and and things like that, and yeah. uh, you know they would give me just enough information to let me know what I was doing, but I I was not tracking the 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 life of the game. Just happy to have the job. <laughs> so uh, I, so yeah. I was a pumpkin headed uh, I was a pumpkin headed <laughs> character. Yes, you were. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, um, do you actually remember the last time you went into the studio to record for Valve for, for Team Fortress 2? For Team Fortress 2? No, well, that was a while back. <clears throat> uh, it might have had something to do with um, 
uh, hats. Something about um, everybody put on different hats or mm -hmm. uh, um, it, it was a while ago for TF2, I think. Um, I've done some, some recording over at Valve for something called Artifacts. Mm -hmm. on, on uh, that's mm -hmm. a Dota related game, uh, but it's it's been a couple of it's been several years I think since uh, I've been in on a on a on a TF2 um, expansion module. Mm -hmm. So I really don't remember what what's what's the last one that they released that you that I appeared in. It's it's hard to track. It's hard to track. I believe you might have been involved in something called the Jungle Inferno, but I think I, I know the one you're talking about. It was probably about five years ago. It was called the Gunmetal Update, and there it involved a bunch of hats. And uh, uh -huh, yeah, it was like a big short, like bit of short that came with. Yeah, it I think users were like starting to like do their own animation and stuff like that. Uh, they mm -hmm. they let uh, users start animating the characters. I remember I got a call one day for. Uh, uh, from a from a fan who asked if I would record uh, Bohemian Rhapsody as the heavy, and he animated the heavy singing Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> Quite funny. Mama just healed a man. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, <Ooh>. so funny. <laughs> okay. Um. So, um, who exactly is your most favorite role from Team Fortress Two? Oh, the heavy was a lot of fun. Uh, the the heavy, both heavy and demo, uh, are, are great fun to do because, you know, after you do uh, the the lines and you lay down all of the different tracks, you know, you do an A B C version of every line and. Um, uh, a lot of times uh, they let me wing some stuff. Or and, and what a lot of times uh, the fun I get uh, when I'm when I'm working in a studio is to see if I can crack up the guys behind the glass. So uh, you know, and sometimes that makes it into the game, or I hope so. It's sort of a you know, it's sort of my my uh, mo to uh, uh, leave them saying, you know, oh, he, he was really fun to work with. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they'll hire me again. I'm I sure. think they will. I think <laughs> whatever comes next, if there's any other IP, you'll definitely to come back. So um, besides John Patrick Lowry and um, Ellen McLean, have you met any other voice actors from TF2? Oh, yeah, yeah. Other than Emma um, Man as well. The late Rick have May. Uh, Rick May, unfortunately, was one of the first people to succumb to COVID here in Seattle. Right. And he was on the mm -hmm. game. Uh, Nathan, a uh, younger kid, he, uh, he did the... Uh, scout. Uh, he did the yeah, scout. He was scout. Right, yeah. Uh, nice guy, a lot of fun. Uh, um, who else have I bumped into? I think that's about it. Oh, no, uh, uh, of course, um, Pyro, uh, uh, Dennis Bateman. I've worked mm -hmm. with Dennis. I've even directed Dennis in, in uh, theater pieces uh, at my theater. 
I have a small little theater here in the town of North Bend, just outside of Seattle. And uh, uh, I, I ran a theater for about 17 years here. And um, uh, I remember, uh, you know, uh, I directed Dennis and a, a, a wonderful actor, Dennis also. Um, and um, he, um, he'd be a good, interesting interview too. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, uh, we did a, a piece, an original piece called um, uh, Geppetto's Funeral. Um, and it takes place basically, um, you know, uh, after Pinocchio comes home and uh, works with Geppetto uh, and uh, abandons the circus, uh, Geppetto eventually dies and leaves a middle-aged sort of embittered Pinocchio, the, the, wood, the wood shop. And uh, he's he's visited by the blue fairy, and it's it's a really interesting concept to see, you know, what happened to Pinocchio forty years later. You know, he's he's a he's a middle aged man now. Yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great synopsis for a story. You know, yeah, he's no longer this. Uh, yeah, I want to be a real boy now. I'm a real middle aged man, you know, saddled with taking care of an aging parent. Yeah, you know, what did you do to me, blue fairy? <laughs> I want to check that out now. I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> Same. Um, so, Gary, what exactly was your inspiration for the drunk Scotsman's personality? For, for, uh, for Demo Man. For Demo Man. Oh, well, the minute you start doing a Scottish accent, uh, you know, uh, it just sort of unlocks things. And, uh, the cool thing was, is I think the way he was written also, Valve had a lot to do with it. The fact that he was a one-eyed black Scottish bomber, you know? Right. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, right. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the Scottish accent actually took me a little while to get, uh, you know, when I was first doing accents, when I, this was back 40 some odd, 50 years ago, I could not get a Scottish accent. Uh, it always slipped into Irish or something, you know? I could not find that cadence for a while until uh, I was on the film Quest for Fire in 1980. And um, I took a vacation to Scotland and hanging around uh, enough Scottish, I finally got it, you know, and, and, and was able to hear the sounds and do all of the, that kind of thing. and it, the thicker the Scot, uh, there some Scottish accents are so thick you can't. It, it doesn't even sound like English. So I, I just started, mm -hmm. um, you know, playing around with it, and uh, uh, even before I think uh, there's a Scottish accent on my um, on my uh, demo tape, uh, and uh, it just says uh, it, it's at the very end, and it just says, "All right, rewind." I mean, think about how some somewhat Ill, like inintelligible, like you know, the Scottish accent is plus drinking. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember the the, the sequence where you know they would let me spew out all sorts of foul mouth stuff, and they they would bleep it. Yeah. And uh, that that turned out to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. It's really cool uh, to you know 
understand how you got the uh, accent, you know, the Scottish accent, you know, going to, to Scotland. Because, you know, people, a lot of actors, including John um, Patrick Lowry, like he, you know, Ellen told us that he, uh, you know, traveled to uh, the Southeast, you know, to get that, you know, perfect, like Southern accent. Yeah. Oh, he's a really great dialectician. Uh, he can be South African, uh, you know, which is an accent that escapes me. Uh, he's he's really good at that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's also musical, musical, which I think helps because accents and dialects go for a rhythm and a cadence. Mm-hmm. Half of an accent is that. Mm-hmm. Takes a lot of work to get that perfect, perfect dialect. Yeah, perfect. and you know, I just sort of have yeah. an ear for imitation. So a lot of what I do is imitate what I hear versus like study it phonetically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, another question here, do you ever remember any, um, you know, outtakes or any, uh, uh, essentially any outtakes or an old version of Meet the Heavy? Any outtakes, uh, not of Meet the Heavy because that was sort of like the opening thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, after getting the, the, the job, you know, they would, uh, show me they basically showed me the the footage um but like doing the heavy you know they had a a video camera on my face because they wanted to match the cheeks and mouth movements even though it wasn't my face um so i i I just kind of played that one very straight i didn't really start cutting up until i knew i had the job Mm -hmm. Did they show you the footage, like of the actual uh, uh, video? Yeah. And then like, you matched with it. Right. No, 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 no. Uh, they, I recorded, and then they showed me it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they matched they your did, speech. Yeah, but they did show me some of the action and what the thing was going to look like, and what 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 flavor of, you know, volume and you know, uh, mayhem mm-hmm. I had to like speak over. Do you remember the meet the sandwich video where you were, um, I'm not sure if you remember, but it was just, uh, like just one camera angle of a sandwich in a refrigerator, like a top use, like sandwich view. Yeah. And there was like a, like a big fight to get the sandwich and you were like, you know, in the background, breaking spines and making people bleed. (laughs) You remember that? Uh, to me, that was just a, a bunch of lines. I had no idea what sandwich meant. It, it sounded gruesome. It sounded very <laughs> gruesome. The amount of like, you know, like, you know, all that mayhem in the background. It was oh, quite Well, it, it's fun. You know, when they give you the direction and say, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're crushing everybody and smashing yeah. everybody. And, uh, you know, it gives you, you know, superhuman recuperating powers and everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I have to, fi- I'm in the studio, but I'm uh, at the end of a session. Sometimes I'm really in a sweat because I have to be physical about it. I think that's my mind training. You know, in other words, I'm actually, I'm breaking bones and smack crushing heads and, and uh, <laughs> you know, in front of the microphone, uh, it's got to look funny to, to watch me work. Yeah. The, the sound mm-hmm. design and in your, in your acting, like all together, like, you know, all the crushing sounds and everything. It was, 
I think it was quite honestly one of the most gruesome things I've ever heard in me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And it was just from that one video of, of just a silly video of a of a sandwich, you know? Like it was it was quite impressive. Uh, well, that's a lot. A lot of that is due to the Valve guys. You know, I am just on in their game. That's true. That's true. You did it very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is your favorite demo man line? Oh, they're going to have to glue you back together in hell. <laughs> that's, that's everyone's that's... favorite line. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, that's awesome. <coughs> I think one of my favorites is uh, just you. Just It's like it's for a taunt where like the demo man is like, you know, drinking and, you know, falling over stuff. And he's just like, you know, God, just just starts stuttering in his drinking. I don't know. It's not even a line, but it's 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 just funny. Oh, it's just really screams. It, it, being, being uh, you know, they said you're really drunk and you're muttering to yourself. I had so much fun doing that. Yeah, yeah, but that's a classic line that glue you back together in hell. Oh, on yeah, I love that line. Yeah, is there any other favorites like a second favorite or, or another one that you uh, like? Tie your fine dandies with your heads full of eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, too. So, um, of course, you know. You know, the difference between Heavy and Demo Man's voice is the accent and, of course, Demo Man's uh, slurring in his, in his speech from, from drinking. But yeah. um, is there any other difference that you go for uh, between the two voices other than um, just the dialect? Oh, Demo well, uh, yeah, Demo Man is way up here in the, uh, you know, uh, in the upper, uh, upper area. You know, he's all up here and in the nose and the nasal cavity a demo man is down in the bottom of my throat so when i do demo man my whole neck changes i'm using another part of my body where demo man is up here you can even see it in my face yeah yes definitely we can see it <laughs> we can see we can we can see your face physically changing uh, as you down here <laughs> down here what up here? Yeah, and the Scott, the Scots, yeah. they really, they do really seem to be up here. You know, like like your the the face you made for the Scots. That's what they actually kind of look like. I I know. Yeah, yeah, they, ah. they very yeah. uptight. Yeah, that's why they have to drink so much scrumpy. Yeah, just to kind of keep an even keel. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. It might Otherwise, be I'd be wired. Yeah. It might be a nationality thing, like you know, like different different ranges of voices from different nationalities make their face kind of you know more different. As oh they yeah, are. yeah, British, they you know pulled back and in pulled back and and, and reserved, and mm -hmm. unless you're doing like Cockney and all of that stuff, and that's more in the front of the face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um. I'm not sure if you remember anything from a recording from for Left 4 Dead, but uh, what direction did Valve give you while recording for the airport runaway uh, guy, radio guy? Um, oh, yeah, I just kind of did the quintessential, uh, you know, uh, uh, country boy pilot, you know, from uh, like Tech, South Texas, kind of that, you know, 
just kind of doing like a Southern, generic Southern guy, you know, just like that kind of. Uh, the hard one uh, on, uh, on on Left 4 Dead was uh, uh, the tank. That that ripped my throat. You did the tank. That's yeah. Right. yeah. I haven't even noticed that. <laughs> Jeez. Well, no, that's, I mean, you know, I, from the, the tank in the background there, it makes sense. And, you know, from, from, your, from your history of, you know, tearing your, your throat up to do all these roles, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was in the days before we had set in some protocols for um, damaging your throat during a session, you know. And uh, I remember at the end of the, that uh, Left for Dead session, I said, thanks, everybody. Really had a great time. That was a lot of fun. Let's do it again. Okay. So, so how, how long did it take you for, to recover from, you know, oh, that, was, that took me about a week. Uh, until I got all of the haze back out of my voice. I yeah. scraped up my voice. Did you drink uh, Earl Grey tea? I, I drank a lot of hot water, lemon, yeah. and honey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, when have you recorded for, uh, for the That's tank? That's a lot of uh, drill instructors use. What? Um, uh, when was the first time you recorded for the tank? Um... Uh, I, I think I, I did the tank. Uh, at the end of my, uh, no, 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 no. They brought me in for a couple of sessions for the tank. Uh, I think I had done the, I, I was cast as the runway guy, I, I, you know, as the, as the uh, helicopter pilot. Mm -hmm. um, and then those lines didn't take very long to do. And uh, then, so they said, okay, you know, now we have this uh, zombie who literally can tear up the street and throw cars at you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started, yeah, even even like tear cement out of the ground and start throwing them at you yeah, too. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And when people find out that I'm the tank, they they're you know they go, oh my god, you you know, I know when I see you come, I have to the game is going to start over. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what's it's that? chaotic. It's it's chaotic. It's over chaotic. Yes. <laughs> Um, and that was in 2007, early 2007, or uh, was it even before 2007? Probably a little before, because, um, like, for example, on Star Wars Old Republic, you know, I was recording lines for them for maybe a year or two before the game even came out. Mm -hmm. Where, well, uh, there are prototypes of Left 4 Dead um, by Turtle Rock Studios. Um, in the late uh, 2007s, and uh, um, in the end, Valve took over, and uh, they released the game in 2008. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure that it was. Uh, you know, I, I was aware of the game, before, you know, but only uh, as a name and a pop that it was a popular video game. But I, uh, uh, I think Valve brought me on once, once they got the game, because I was already. Uh, I think doing TF2. Yeah, that was probably around the same time that both of those developments. Yeah, they were developing. Yeah, I think Left 4 Dead was ahead of it, but uh, I knew that Left 4 Dead was one of their big games at the time. Yeah. Did you have I to record? No I had no idea TF2 was going to be the, yeah. the blockbuster it was. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 even. I mean, going back to Team Fortress 2 for a second, it's it's so popular that. 
like even across like the YouTube, you know, community. Like there, it's it's like some of the videos are even like in some ways as popular as the game. Like some of the 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 videos that the community would make, yeah, know, would be yeah as popular as the game. Oh yeah, I yeah. saw some amazing. You know, there's a and uh, there's a lot of talent out there. It's, yeah. it's quite amazing. Uh, what's interesting is uh, uh, I've been uh, for the last about oh my gosh twelve years uh, uh, I've been teaching um, uh, acting to animators uh, at the University of Washington. Uh, so you know uh, uh, these guys are all studying to get into the video game animation business mm -hmm. as animators. So, but they have, as an animator, you have to know why emotion, what motivates uh, the motion. And so I give them some basic acting ideas so that their characters can move with purpose and intent. And it's a lot of fun. It's quite an interesting gig. Yeah, like teaching, teaching animators the whole actor's point of view when, or the actor's, um, mindset like when you're animating because that's important it's essentially acting yeah, what they're yeah. what it they're is. doing it's except they're the one pulling the strings to, and they have to break it down just as they would you know uh, a physical motion they have to break down what generates the idea what motivates you to lift your hand uh what what why do you want that to pick up that glass do you pick it up angry happy sad you know, mm -hmm. all of those things have to be uh, animated. Mm -hmm. So you have yeah. to teach them to act in it in a certain way. Like, you know, yeah. you have to teach them act, like how to act themselves. Exactly. Or at least, uh, yeah. So uh, I, what I do is I put them in their body so that they get the feeling moment by moment what's going, you know, what what's processing in their head. And you can't do it intellectually. You have to have a uh an intuitive feeling for it so yeah we do a lot of improv and acting exercises and also my this is where my mime background comes in very handy uh, because mime is a way to break down the movement so that they can animate something so you know we do walk cycles uh, how to walk depressed how to walk happy how to walk mm -hmm. in love right right well, I mean, there it's it's interesting to it's really is it really is interesting to get anim, animators to act because, you know, for the them ones, they're pulling all the strings. Best, yeah, the best ones do have that ability, and you can see that in you know Pixar picks those people. They're they're brilliant, not just technically, but um, they understand story and motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then, like, yeah. I think another thing that um, that helps animators um, bring like a convincing performance in their animations is listening to the voice acting. Like, there's so many factors that go into that. Like, listening to the voice actors acting and how that voice, how that personality from the voice actor can translate into the actual movements itself. Well, so the first a, thing I get uh, uh, my students to do is to watch silent films. Because uh, if you can say it with your body, the voice, adding the voice is only going to be gravy. If you can get it visually to 
to to translate uh, uh, emotionally, then first of all, that just is just going to make the voice actor look that much better. You can't yeah. just let the voice yeah. do it. So it really is. It's a, it's a it's a uh, it's a collaboration between people. Still make silent films as well. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the projects we do at uh, UW are all essentially silent films with with effects. <clears throat> There's no dialogue. So uh, also, uh, then then the movie becomes universal. Right. And there's a lot of beautiful animations out there. If you go to an animation festival, there's a lot of animation that's uh, without voiceover. Yeah, yeah. They're, they, I think they have in Pixar. They have like the short films. Those are mostly, I, from what I recall, like they're mostly like, uh, like silent films. There's not really any talking. It's just yeah, kind of the movement. That you, yeah. So that's a great example of like no, like you know no dialogue type of short exactly. animation. Once you have that under your belt and you add good actors, then you get that supercharged, fantastic Pixar movie. Yeah. Do you still, um, do you still do those? Do you still uh, teach animators, you know, acting? Or have yeah. you done that lately? Yeah, uh, well, that's that's not since COVID hit. Uh, but yeah, last year, right. I was, I was, yeah. A lot of times also, uh, they'll use me because of my mind background. They'll use, I, I, I say a lot of times, I'm sort of the Andy Circus of uh, UW. Uh, yeah. They'll have me do the action and video reference me for their projects. So that's, that's really a cool. lot of fun to do too. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that concludes includes all of our questions here um i think we're good to go thank you for joining us for our interview and thank you for asking our many questions involving uh mm -hmm. one of our favorite games and valve in general and um definitely gonna check out your uh, your book i'm very excited thank you thank you thank you thank i would you. love i would love you to uh so much good check out your book, book too yeah yeah yeah. It's on Audible and, and on Amazon. The uh, mm -hmm. it's both. And the <laughs> oh my goodness, Sam! I think you're cutting out. Hang on, yeah, that was a cutout. You want to redo that? <laughs> Hang on, he'll he'll come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. There, I hear you. <laughs> Your voice is back. Your picture's frozen. Yeah. Oh, I think he's gone. <laughs> I'm back. I am back. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Here you are. I don't know what's going on with that. My internet's been having some issues lately, but we're going to sort that out soon. Okay, um, but yeah, I'm gonna check out your audio book, King of Average. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for that. Thank um, you. So am I. Yeah. Yes. And perhaps we'd like to have you back, uh, but um, whenever you ever have the chance to do that. But um, yeah, thank you so sure. much for your time, Gary.
Hey, put us all back together virtually with, uh, you know, I'd love to say hi to John and, uh, and, yeah. De and Dennis. We sometimes do radio uh, programs here. Uh, John will tell you about that. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, happy to do it. Be a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> I like to have everyone together. I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We just need to find the right time. Yeah, well, now is a good time because everybody's stuck home. Mm -hmm. everybody's yeah. stuck in their and house for the foreseeable future that might be the case <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go i might that's probably gonna be the case for the foreseeable future mm -hmm. all right well thank you uh thank you sir and uh stay safe out there and i hope you, you have do. a good rest of your day okay sam ronald thank you very much it was a pleasure same same yeah, thank you yes take care take care gary hope yeah Bye. take care take care goodbye Hello, everyone. Thank you for watching the Vogue podcast. My name is Sam, also known as Entity. Um, in case you're not aware of my work, um, I voice act Barney Calhoun in the Half-Life 2 modification titled Half-Life 2 Raising the Bar Redux. And I also voice act as Captain Colbert in uh, Thunder's Leaves. Um, I'm also involved in another unannounced project that will hopefully be announced um, some point in the future soon. Um, I also do music composing for Half-Life 2 Raising the Bar Redux. Um, I also go by the alias uh, of Entity Juichi, and I'm um, currently um, working on some projects um, that I like to release um, when they're done. And um, yeah, it's a little bit about me. Um, my co-host Ronald here, would you like to say hi and introduce yourself? Definitely. Um, hello to everybody. I'm Ronald. I'm a sound engineer and a voice actor. Most of you may know me as the Overwatch voice in several Half-Life 2 modifications and roleplay servers, as the announcer in Deathmatch Classic, Refragged, and Classic Fortress, and the Combine Assassins in Mod Tactical. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah. Um, just want to introduce ourselves, uh, just to give you guys a little bit of um, an introduction to who we are. Um, Thank you again for watching um, the book podcast, and thank you to Gary Schwartz for uh, being a part of the second episode of the book podcast. And um, yeah, we're having a lot of fun on the book podcast thus far, considering um, this is our second episode. And uh, yeah, apologies for the uh, technical difficulties that we experienced. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. But um, yeah, uh, Ronald, is there anything that you'd like to mention before we head out? Yes. Uh, not even the viewers are prepared for the next episode of the Vogue podcast, which is a red-letter interview. Now, prepare yourselves for everything that the heavy and monoculous are about to say. Yes, yes. Let's see what they have to say. All right, everyone. Have a good one. If you want to see more, <laughs> subscribe and hit like. And most importantly... Eat sandwich. Or drink your scrumpy. Happy Halloween! Ha ha ha!